We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another edition of Mavs. My name is Kirk Henderson. Welcome to the show tonight. I have just finished recording a very nice podcast with Josh, which I hope you all go download and listen after we get done talking on here. For those of you who are listening to the podcast, it's or to the Green Room uh, podcast on on your feed. This show probably went up at about lunchtime, uh, Dallas time zone, and you should go back and check out the recap podcast from Josh and I if you haven't had an opportunity. So here we are. The Mavericks played three very good quarters of basketball, really enjoyed myself, and then they took uh, a collective, uh, you know, just just walking into rakes for 12 minutes, um, and then they lost in the end. Uh, really, really strange ending to the game. Um, don't know how to contextualize it. Otherwise, uh, the, the timeout was bad. Uh, Josh gets into why. Go listen to him rant. It's amazing. Um, the lineup at the end of the game was also bad. But, you know, so was the play throughout the entire fourth quarter. So what are you going to do? Um, so we're here now. Uh, I don't want to hang out for too long. I have 10% battery on my phone, 9% at this point. Uh, so let's see where things go. I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, I want to bring on my man Sam first because uh, he is often uh, one of the last guys I get to just because I think he arrives a few minutes late. Sam, what's up? Hey, Kirk, what's going on, man? Yeah, I just I want to get my thoughts out there because I didn't watch the game. I actually listened to it on the radio, but just like just sharing it on the radio, it's, it's just everything runs through my head. It's like, what, what can you do? <laughs> like the Mavs miss open shots. This is literally the same offense that we had last year with the same problems. The the, the players are the same, you know, switching out Seth, Josh, to Reggie. Reggie's not hitting. Tim Hardaway is inconsistent as hell, so you can never trust him. And Luca's out of shape. So it's like you can't really put the blame on one thing. It's the whole organization. So 
it's just what what do you do at this point? Because there's really nothing you can do. And the frustrating part is just thinking about it. I said I've said it before in a couple of these games. This is like the best year to actually try to compete. I want to say for a championship, but because of just everything that's going on. Because next year, you know, there's going to be free agency, obviously, so people are going to switch around. But people are going to be back. Jamal Murray is going to be back. Like, Kawhi Leonard is going to be back. Like, you have all these teams that are going to be back, and they're going to be better. And they have the ability to, to make moves where we're just kind of stuck at this point. If we sign Jalen Brunson, you know, what else can we do? Like, no, not much. Not much. I mean, things don't really feel very good right now. Xavier broke down like the various trade options um, the last couple of days. Really good post. Uh, you know, they owe the Knicks a pick next year that that has some um, protections on it. The only way they could trade a future pick is if they lift those protections, and I doubt they want to do that. Um, but I sort of think that's also not the worst thing in the world because I think they're going to need those picks to make the please don't leave Luca trade in like two years. Um, so it feels a little stinky right now. I'm not as mad as I was the other night. I was really fired up after the Memphis game. Part of that had to do with the fact that I'd like work it tonight. We had other people writing it. Um, and so I'm not, I, I, I just, I don't know what they do. Uh, you know, I got into a little, um, I, I engaged online with a large media personality who writes for the ticket or I mean, who, who, you know, Bob Sturm, he's excellent, who basically said, you know, you guys want to change. This is change. And it's like, no, what we wanted is for Cuban to stop live action role playing and acting like he's a general manager. I want Cuban to go away and I want him to stop talking and I want him to stop getting into interviews. And then I want the people who are good at these things to do their jobs. That's what I want. Apparently that's too much to ask. I don't know if we're ever going to get it, but here we are. Um, it was just disappointing because I, I really liked the fire that they played with in the first half, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's that's the thing that makes it more frustrating. It's just like you can see the capability this team has whenever they play focused and they have a certain just intensity about them to where they can play like that, and they could beat anybody. Mm-hmm. But just obviously it's not consistent enough. And um, I'll say this before I get out because I know other people want to jump on. The thing that kind of annoys me as well is I feel bad for Josh Green because, you know, Desmond Bain killed him pretty much <laughs> with that comment on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then tonight, it's funny how Jason Kidd said, you know, he didn't have the time to play Josh Green, but tonight so. he's playing with Luca and KP Beck. So but also <laughs> on James Harden, like one of the meanest things you can do at a professional basketball player is ask him to guard that guy who is a professional purveyor of, of flaunting the rules and arm hooks and all sorts of other bullshit. Yeah, that's that's not fair to Josh Green. Like we give him crap, but it's not Josh Green's. No, it's not. He he stinks, but it's not like that. Like was it not emblematic of what he could do? Like it's just asking anybody. Like it's funny because I think Dorian has has a pretty good history of guarding James Harden, and Dorian is on Durant, and Bullock was on Harden. I mean, they both did a pretty good job until the very end. It just you know, I don't know. It's one of those things. Yeah. Well, that's all I got, man. I I I can't speak. I don't know what to say. We have a good night. Yeah, you too. Thanks for coming up. Okay, let's fire through the folks. Braylon, what's going on tonight? How are you? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, what's what up? do you got for us tonight? <laughs> what can I say, man? It's, um, first off, I'll start with the uh, first half. It was a good, it was a good, inspiring first half for me. Uh, I like the aggression. And you know they tend they tend to 
make shots. It was like, but when they came out of halftime, I don't know what Jason Kidd said to them or what what happened. I don't I, I don't exactly know, but that second half, especially those last six minutes, like what are we doing? Yeah, that's where the youngness of this team in terms of experience starts to just feel because Nobody wanted the ball. Nobody wanted to take a shot. They were all taking bad shots after getting so many good ones. And then was, but the thing was, here's, here's my thing with the last six minutes. You hit like what one or two shots in the last six minutes. And it, and, and it was like every time I saw them attacking the basket, it was something positive. Either they, Either they had a uh, a good layup opportunity, or they had free throws. And I was skeptical about the free throws, but at, at least he was getting to the line. Sure, sure. I mean, it was it was a really odd thing. It just felt like nobody really wanted to take the shot. And I saw one of my one of our former contributors at Mavs Moneyball, Austin, uh, said this of Kevin Durant. He said, "Is this what it was like playing against Dirk?" for 15 years because there was just like a sense of inevitability watching Kevin Durant operate. Like that was horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a killer. Speak it on that. Uh, I think that I think Shaq and Shaq and Chuck had a, uh, had a point when they said that, you know, Porzingis, he doesn't have that killer instinct. And it's like I could see I could see it once they came out of half. Like he was he was aggressive. He was aggressive in getting his shots in the first half, but then in the second half you start backing off and start settling for shots. That's really that's really not your uh it is <laughs> for shots that's that on average was not, was not good shot for him. For sure. They all took, they like Porzingis had, I think the Mavericks, um, there were something like 14 of 15 in the restricted area in the first half. And then in the second half, they were two of three or something crazy like that. It was, it was. All- yeah. It's like, do what, do what works for you. I think we would have had a better chance because we had, we literally had our palm when Luca hit that when Luca hit that three and we went on what like ninety ninety eight ninety seven something like that yeah we <laughs> they missed a shot and we came back down and it happened to it happened that we what we settled for I can't remember but I think we settled for a shot instead of attacking the basket like we have been is just that's 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 my biggest issue tonight just attacking the basket we could have done better with that because those last six minutes we literally had our palm we literally had our palm on this win no it's tough on a win but it's just yeah they we gotta do better in close time well, they're below 500 now. They play Memphis tomorrow, who just, you know, anybody that didn't watch that Memphis game, the final score was not 
indicative. The, they got their asses kicked until about the final seven minutes when Tom Hardaway just started finally throwing in shots from the ocean. So they they either need to get right now or it's going to be a struggle. Their schedule stinks the rest of the month. At this point, at this point, fuck trying to hit the brass out of the barn. You might, you, you might as well build a homeless shelter with all those Ooh, bricks. Man, nine to 46 from three. That's something else. Well, thanks for hanging out tonight. You got anything else? Nope. I'm all, all right. good. Thank you. Appreciate you coming up. Okay. Coming up next, we have, wow, got a lot of y'all who are pissed tonight. Um, Tyron, welcome back to the show. How you doing? Hey, what's going on, Kirk? Oh, it's uh, I'm okay. Uh, I've had about three-fourths of a bottle of wine, so I'll be all right. <laughs> hey, man. Yeah, I'm driving back home from the uh, the game right now, and uh, I'm just probably going to be an unpopular opinion what I'm about to say here. Uh, first off, I was sitting next to a guy, and he was telling me that poor Zingas sucks, and I said, man, I kind of have to disagree. You know, the guy... The guy's been he's been balling this year. And he was balling last year before he got hurt. But, okay. Uh, balling in the first half. He was Exactly. Exactly. KP though is the kind of player where he needs structure. This team has no structure whatsoever. Look, explain it's, that. Look at the ball. I agree with you, but explain that. Walk us through what you Okay. Give Luca the ball. Everybody else clear out, and if he gets in trouble, you might get the mm. ball. And then at that point, you might have like five seconds left on the clock and then figure it out. KP can't operate that way. And none of them can. Honestly, Tim, Timmy, uh, 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 Bullock, none of them. When I played basketball in high school, varsity basketball high school, I was a shooter. If I'm sitting there watching you dribble around like that and just do whatever the hell you want, and then you want to give me the ball – I'm not going to know what to do with it. I'm out of rhythm. I don't know what the hell you're doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm not blaming Luca for that. That's coaching. And it became very evident to me that we have no fucking game plan whatsoever when Jason Kidd called a timeout in the fourth quarter. That was bad. And threw up that bullshit play. And, and, and it's ridiculous. And, and point number two, and I'll, and I'll get out of here. That tech that Luca got was the absolute most disgusting thing I've seen. Where were you sitting? I, I'm curious. Where were you sitting in relation to watching that? Because watching it on TV, it was like slow motion. Me going, no, right, <laughs> right. Uh, I was just behind, I guess the, the 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 floor area. I don't know how to explain it. Um, but yeah, just just watching that was was, was so. Annoying. We don't need that shit, man. Come on, Luca. Yeah, you know what bad. I mean? And that, that literally bad. that changed the complete side of the game. From there on out, everything changed after that. Things were stinky. It, it, the the broadcast was very evident in that. Even like like Reggie Miller, who was like, I bitched at everyone for my entire career and I shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. Thank you for that. I appreciate you coming up. Drive safe, all right? All right, thanks. So I want to make a note. I, I, I agree with Tyron because one of the things that they need to just do is spam pick and rolls, spam dribble handoffs. These motions where Lucas sizes guys up like I'm going to do the thing, it just is a lot of wasted motion. And whenever they're running Porzingis in particular, dribble handoffs, I love the end result. It freaks defenses out. I love Porzingis Luca pick and rolls where Luca actually goes downhill instead of doing the thing where he's like figuring out the mismatch. I just need a little less. 
I, I will say I did love how Luca was playing in the first quarter where he was just dropping all sorts of incredible passes and no one could hit a shot except, I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith like finally broke the seal. It's pretty brutal. Okay. Coming up next. Um, I haven't seen this name here in a while. Shaco, how you doing? Hope I said your name right. I apologize if I didn't. Hit the unmute button there at the bottom, and then I'll uh, let you talk. There we go. How you doing? Hey, good night, everybody. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, my name's Chico. First time in the group therapy. Um, big mobs fan from about 12 years old from the Bahamas. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us for the first time. I didn't think I'd seen your name in here before, which is why I wanted to call you up. What do you got? Yeah, so I just wanted to say I think the mobs cannot break my heart anymore <laughs> at all. <laughs> Tell us why. I love that. Dude, I am so <laughs> I am so like unbreakable at this point because we've been trying to say, um, why can't these guys hit shots with the same roster for like three years now? Um, Jalen Brunson really feels like he is like Kyrie Irving reincarnated, like too much dribble penetration that leads to practically nothing sometimes. And to be honest, he's literally been like our third best player. Yes. And arguably at some games, I think he's been our best player while Luca was kind of stumbling, rumbling, bumbling in the early part of the season. Right. And I'm not too light in the ass to be judging anybody about weight. <laughs> but definitely, Luca, he needs to shed some serious pound. In My man, I was waiting for someone to do it because I didn't want to be the asshole who said it. Do you know what Tim McMahon said today on the low post? Luca showed up at training camp this year at a svelte 260 pounds. God, how do you weigh 260 pounds after you had a kick-ass playoff series against the Clippers? And the Olympics. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer for getting that heavy that quickly. That dude is really good. I've been the same kind of heavy for consistently five years. Oh, my God. I'm just amazed. Yeah, I mean, I'm the same way. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, we're all a bit bigger than we ought to be. Some of us. Some of you, you skinny people suck, by the way. Just want to put that out there. Um, but this was like, like when I heard that and then I watched him tonight. And did you watch the TNT broadcast? I did. Like Reggie was cooking him. It was not nice. It was like flat out fat. Real, because um, the play where the Nets went up 100 to 97, where James Harden burst mm. past him, it's because he's too heavy. I mean, James Harden still would have beaten him, but like it was like yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like I said, I think the mobs can't break my heart anymore because the the roster just really sucks ass, and I've seen like. I've made something very clear to one of my friends over here. I told him that Josh Green isn't as athletic as people say he is. You are preaching. You are preaching. He is he is a specific kind of athlete. Like I bet that dude is an unbelievable like rugby player. But like <laughs> basketball, I just I don't I don't see it. Right. It's not right. his fault. I feel bad for him. Yeah. Um it's just listen, it it, it isn't even like he doesn't have the time to shine. Like he's 
just not that good like we've had. I remember back in the day when the Mavs had me excited for a Shane Foster draft pick. Mmm. Mmm. That's a deep cut. Holy shit. Like, man, they, they can't break my heart any worse. I've seen the Craig Buckners and Adrian Griffin, so there's nothing I can do at this point. I have been to the Mount. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. This is fantastic. Thank but, you, sir. I appreciate you joining. You got anything else for us? That's it, man. You guys enjoy the rest of your night. I hope you come back. Thank you. All right. <laughs> you guys are going to have a tough time topping him. Um. All right. Uh, let's come back on the Big Shot Pod with... I can't see your full name anymore. There it is. Mr. Baza. How you doing? Hey, I'm pretty annoyed. Um, first off, I just I'm so sick of Tim Hardaway Jr. He is so he's just so bad this season. He does nothing for us. Um, I mean, after getting paid, I mean, he had what? He sucked last season, too, except for, like, the last, what, 20 games? He has hot and cold stretches. It's really tough. Like, he was 0 for 7 tonight. That's that's bad. Yeah. And, um, and also, we need to trade. Wait, am I muted? No, you're good. It's still, oh. it, the app has a little bit of a bug where it shows you as muted, but if you see the green light lighting up around your icon, you're talking. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, I was just going to say, we need to trade. I think we need to trade Jalen Brunson because that way we can, you know, actually at least make up like a good, valuable uh, trade package because, you know, I've already talked with you about this, but he cannot sure. be our second option. You know, he's, what, six foot, 5'11". And, you know, he just cannot go up against length. And, you know, if that's going to be our second option, we're pretty screwed. I mean, it's tough because he makes so little money. $1.5 million, I think, is about what he makes. And so, you, I mean, you guys know this. Like, most, tra- I want to say trades have to be within 25% of one another in terms of overall salary. So in order to get something to work, they would really – they would need something ex- either that would work for them like both money wise and play wise, and I, it just strikes me as really difficult at this moment. I understand why you're saying that because they're 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 uh, Xavier wrote a piece for this at Mavs Moneyball where he talked about with both Dorian and Jalen Brunson. He described the bird bird rights trap, where because you have a player and you don't really have a lot of options, the agents kind of have you over a barrel and you need to sign them to what they're demanding. Otherwise, they walk and you're kind of shit out of luck. It's not like the NFL where you can get. Um, what do you call it? Compensatory picks or something like that. It's tough. They're in a tough spot right now. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's what I'm saying because I already know that the Mavs were gonna way overpay Brunson, and then we're gonna be even more screwed with our contracts and all that. So that's that's really the main reason why I'm saying we need to trade Brunson. That and like like I said, he's just too small to be our second our second option. I still love him though. Like like the there's just he does something every game where I'm like that dude is a tough motherfucker, and I I don't know where we'd be without him this season. Like he's he's been the kind of player to where had he not performed at this high level, we might have been having this oh no panic conversation around ten games. Yep. Oh yeah, I I love Brunson too, and it's gonna hurt to see him go, but I'd rather see him go than overpay and be stuck with this team even longer. But yeah, but also I just wanted to say now that the Pacers made uh, Sabonis and Miles Turner available, I mean we need to find a way to 
like make a three team trade or something so that we can get involved and hopefully steal uh Turner or Sabonis. I would love Sabonis, but I think that'd be harder in uh Miles Turner. But I think we need to just try everything we can to get one of those guys because I think if we can get one of those guys, I think that we'll, you know, get back to being at least competitive and at the top of the like top four or five, maybe even six seed uh, in the Western Conference. Well, we might have to talk about this in the coming days because I don't think anybody's going to move in a hurry. But it's a question of whether you would give up future firsts. I mean, Sabonis is – I've watched Sabonis because I went to Pepperdine and he went to Gonzaga. And so I had to watch him just demolish my college team. Um, I've watched him for years. He would – like, he's almost too good to be true. Evan Turner – I'm not Evan Turner. Um, God, who's a, who's their big guy? Um, Miles. Tur- Miles Turner. He played – he went to Josh Bowes High School. Um, is is almost too good to be true. Karis Levert strikes me. I just like half the players just, you know, I just keep wanting to see dudes next to Luca is I guess where I come down to. So it's like I will take any of these dudes because I need to see something different. Yeah, and, you know, I just think we need to act quick because you said maybe two years down the line, Luca's going to, you know, we're going to have to start playing this game of right. know, please stay in Dallas. But I think it's going to be sooner than that. Luca well, likes winning. I mean, yeah, like they start crapping the bed this year. Like they're one game under 500. They fall two, three, four, five games under 500. The pressure is going to be intense. Well, thank you for joining as always. Yep. Thanks, Kirk. Have a good night. Mm-hmm. All right. Wow, guys, y'all are angry after this game. There is many people. DJ, haven't seen you in here in a while. How you doing? Welcome back to the show. Hit that unmute button there at the bottom and tell us what you got. Uh, you know what, Kirk? I'm feeling pretty good just because I just got back from my manager's outing. We all got pretty drunk. But good. Watching that game, and, and funny story, there was no sound, so I didn't really get to hear it. Like, but watching the game, ugh. You you just you can't you can't have your your top three three point shooters from last year with Bullock shooting around forty one percent, Tim Hardaway shooting around forty percent, and Kleba shooting around forty one percent last year all go zero for fifteen from three. Brutal. Just just like inescapably brutal. And the looks so like I've been engaged in like. I hope you wonderful Mavs Moneyball commenta- commenters hear, uh, you know, hear this. I've been engaged in like a multi-day back and forth with people because I like this is not really an argument. Mavs are literally taking fewer shots at the rim than they've taken ever before. Like they were 15th in 2019-20. I want to say they were – I can't remember what the synergy data shows. They were worse than that last year. And then this year they are literally very last in the league at rim rate. So percentage of shots at the rim kind of talked about that. Matt Moran came on and talked about that with us here. And you watch tonight and like, they're getting like Lucas just dishing and they're not getting the room at all, which continued tonight, by the way, except for Porzingis getting there a few times. Um, and then Lucas just finding wide open dudes. And it's like, they're just, I've referenced this before because I'm a hundred years old and I'm like Bill Simmons and I apparently only have a limited amount of pop culture references, but like these players feel like what they describe in the replacements when they're talking about uh, quicksand. And it's just like, these guys can't get out of it. When Dorian Finney Smith is like your lead shooter, everybody else is in a bad spot. He led the team in minutes too. And you just, you can't have that. 
I don't, I don't know what to do with that. And it's so depressing. And, 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 and Jaws in the, in the, in the, uh, uh, chat sharing some Luka Doncic comments and it's Luka's hurting. We're all hurting. I just, yeah, I don't know what to do. Do you, you have any great thought? Like, do you have any idea what they should? I wish I did, but you know, I mean, it's, it, they're kind of just, they're stuck. They don't, they don't really have much to offer as much as, you know, trade assets. And I, I'm just as clueless as everyone else. This is painful. I appreciate you coming up though, Mr. Parker. I, you, everything else. Okay. It's not, I've not seen you in here in a while. You need to come back. Yeah. Everything's good. Um, it's just, you know, frustrating watching them just do the same shit over and over again. Oh, for sure. For sure. And these things are not for everybody. I, though I will, though y'all who have made it this far, it's 25 minutes into the podcast. I really recommend downloading this app. I always feel better after talking to y'all. Hope you feel better after hanging out in here. No, yeah, I love <sighs> these. I watch or I listen to every podcast that you and Josh do all the time. And actually, well, I got one more thing. He actually tweeted something about um, the Josh Green and Desmond Bank thing. He said... Is Josh Green being played just because of what Desmond Dane said? Yes. I I couldn't agree with him more. Yeah, it's just mean. Like, I just, eh, I don't know. Um, I, I I don't think Jason Kidd is at fault for this, but Jason Kidd's not making anything better. No, um, and he was he was the the main one at the um um what's it called? Uh, training camp press conference or whatever mm-hmm. saying that he was going to develop Josh green. And we haven't seen any sort of, you know, playing time for him or any development at all. He just, yeah. he's, he's useless out there and it, it's, it's not his fault. It's just not fair to him. It's not. Well, thank you for coming back. I hope you come back another night. Appreciate you having oh. me up, Kurt. Thank you. Sure thing. Okay, let's fly, guys. Wow. I'm gonna have to go charge my phone. Brandon, what do you got for us tonight? Let's make let's 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 wrap it. <laughs> well, I'm glad that uh you already brought up fat Luca from uh the low post uh earlier today. I mean it's something I've uh, kinda known, but I can't really say, and then for it to be coming out, it's just like, oh my god. Well, I think the fact that like he attached like a number to it, like I think we all knew but the fact that he was 30, it would be like 30 something pounds over his rookie weight when he was considered fat as well. Like, I think that's. I mean, let's be clear. Let's be clear. He, there's a certain element of him that I think he is okay playing at a heavier weight. The problem is, as he, as the season goes on, it becomes a question of trade offs. Where I think, like, what he did, there was one Patty Mills post up from the top of the key where it was just big boy in him. And that's the sort of stuff for why he wants to be heavier so he can do it. But then, like one of the callers mentioned earlier, he got beat on on James, by James Harden in a single step. And, like, you just can't do both of those things. Yeah, I, I was going to point out, um, because he couldn't get by both Patty Mills or James Harden, like, off the dribble. You know, he had to try and back him down as opposed to – you know, nineteen twenty, he could beat maybe not everybody, but he could beat a lot was, of guys. He was more deceptive. Yeah, he he was still strong enough, like to 
back other I mean he wasn't really a good post player then but he you know 225 he's still big enough to back down most guys um so yeah I mean I I just I'm really not actually that pissed I've been a lot more pissed off of a lot of different losses this year I just hope that this is these you know what are we two and eight I think in the past 10 games I hope this is very eye-opening for Cuban um I'm sure it's not going to be but you know, you can only hope and dream that, you know, he finally sees all the flaws that uh, he's let develop on this roster and puts some more pressure to make some changes. We'll see. I mean, things might start changing relatively soon. Thanks for joining us, Brandon. I appreciate you as always. Okay. Coming up next, my man, Chris. Chris, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, Kurt. Actually, uh, not as upset as that Memphis game, you know, considering the this game tonight, I mean, it was going great. Things are looking great. I was like, this this should be a good win. We're up 17, and then shit hits the fan. They go on a 10-2 run, you know, in the fourth quarter. The Nets has just – it's more of like a depressing loss. You yes, because so. they were close. They played well. And how in the hell – the Maxi Kleber and one, like how was that not a and one? Like, I mean – the Mavs got the Mavs were on the shit end of. I'm glad it took this long to get into it, but the Mavs were on because uh, it wasn't the refs' fault. But there were some really bad refereeing choices tonight, just really bad. Zach Zarba, you are a war criminal. I've had enough of you. Did I just end the podcast? I mean, he was the, he was the lead referee. Sorry, I should have left. Oh, with that. Hey, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> But, yeah, just that and him missing two free throws. I mean, for the most part, in the beginning of the game, we were actually all hitting our free throws pretty well. Um, and then, yeah, he misses those two free throws. And then Luca gets that technical and just like, oh, just all these little things catch up. I knew it was going to haunt us. and We lose by three. But he still, Luca's still got a pretty decent look. I mean, the Nets have a good, you know, three-point defense. But he still got a shot off. But it just had to end that way, right, with Tim Hardaway Jr. missing a fucking three. Like, it, it just had to end that way. It did. And like, <laughs> let me remind everybody, like the three, three point defense is bullshit. There is no such thing as three point defense. The Knicks led the league in three point defense. They have the exact same fucking team minus Reggie Bullock. And they're a middling meandering team of nonsense because teams are all of a sudden hitting threes. The Mavericks went nine of 46 tonight. At least 15 of those were wide ass open that nobody hit. Yeah, what the hell is up with Bullock? I mean, Hardaway Jr., but damn, Bullock, he didn't even hit one tonight. Oh, Actually, my God. Hardaway, I, I mean, the, it's like that the caller previously noted. They were like the, the Bullock and, and Tim were a combined 0 of 13. Oh, my God. Ugh. Just hit one of those, and you tie the game going to over. <laughs> I mean. Like, my, my, my wife, norm, like, she sits there and she deals with this. She she likes the Mavericks. She, she you know. We go to the game. She watches with me, but she's on her phone watching TikTok or working or doing something else. And, like, after Reggie's, like, six myths, she goes, what the fuck? Like, and she doesn't curse that much. So it just absolutely ended me as I was listening. From the- uh, and one quick question. The whole December 15th thing where more players in the, the league are uh, eligible, I mean, is that kind of a thing now where you think that once it hits the 15th or 16th or whatever that the Mavs have more options than they do right now to – do some type of trade or at least get Goron. I mean, that's what Toronto just let him go home. And I guess he's just waiting around to, you know, get bought out or something or I don't know. Things are so odd right now where it seems like, like 
there's an element in negotiations, as I'm sure anybody here who has had to deal with it, where it's like you give up a certain amount of leverage, and to the point that Luca or that Goran has made it clear that he wants to be in Matt in, in Dallas, like Toronto has no reason to give that up. They just don't, unless yeah. he unless Goran's like, look, I'll take a massive, massive buyout because he's being paid twenty million dollars this year. I just I don't know when that happens. I think the only thing he really fixes, and he does fix some stuff is this team needs a veteran to get these guys up. I don't know if you heard uh, Luca in the pregame. He talked about how they have to come out and play hard. And it's like, yeah, welcome to the NBA. Like This team has played like they're a number one seed, and they're just not good enough for that. And And it's a team issue. And it's just frustrating because this season is the season. The the Western – the way everything's going right now, it's just like – it's just wide open right there. But, you know, we're 23 games in. We could go at, in the middle of the season if we have a week schedule. In the middle of the season, go on a, a good run. We just got to get his ankle right, Luca's ankle right. Yeah, he's clearly in pain. I'm We're, just going to be Austin Rivers if he ruins our season like that just because. That well, Luca shouldn't like, have been in. Like, like uh, we can go back, and this is another thing where it's like, why was Luca in that game? Why? Yeah, is he we, going there was like a minute to go, and we're up like 20 or something, or 15 or 20 points, and it was like a minute to go. I mean, that's just frustrating. So yeah. that's all I got. But let's. Hopefully we don't get our asses kicked tomorrow. So. No, I know. I won't be able to handle it. It's only Tuesday. This is too long of a week. You know, I've got, you know, oh, well. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate yeah. you. Yes, sir. Wow, we got a lot of folks in here for a game in, in December. Appreciate all you wonderful folks. We're going to get through as many people as we can. Um, I'm going to bring on a writer of tonight's uh, Mavs Moneyball recap. Ben, how you doing, buddy? Hit that unmute button down there. I am not doing well. Uh, obviously because of the game, but I have a great stat courtesy. I'm just going to read it verbatim from at John H Knox on Twitter. He replied to this. uh, I'm just reading this verbatim two years ago today. The Mavs were 17 and seven, 10 games over 500. They've played 159 games since then, including the two playoff series. Their record is 84 and 75, nine games over 500. They've played a little over 500 at .528 winning percentage for two full years. They are what they are. That is courtesy, again, of at John H. Knox. I appreciate that. That's how I feel. I'm here to say blow it up. Blow the team up. I'm tired of watching this mediocreness for two and a half years now. Just trade everybody who's not named Luca, and maybe trade his dietitian too. Uh, <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. I don't even know if we have anything to say after that. Should we just close the green room? What do you guys think? <laughs> uh, do you got anything else, Ben, other than we should all go read your recap? No, I mean that that's it. I, let's let's just, you know, lateral moves, I don't care. Just let's let's get some new players to be angry about. The That's you know, incredible. Uh, yeah, just, thanks so much, man. Yeah, no problem. Oh god. God, dietitian d- demands a trade. Man, this is why we do these. I feel better after all this stuff. Jim, you've been hanging out for a while and telling me you got something. What's up? Hit that on me. Yo, okay. So I have an idea. And I just wanted to do a little history with you real quick because you're a little bit older than me. Um, Fuck you. So in 2000. I'm just kidding. Uh, that, hey, hey, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. I'm 26. Um, what? Sorry. Yeah, I'm 26. So, like, um. In 2008-2009, like, between, like, Avery Johnson and, like, Rick Carlisle, uh, when Dirk would have games like this, 
what kind of pressure was Cuban under? And if there was any like sort of type of media pressure, I know social media wasn't like really a thing. Who would Cuban be like? Who would he listen to most media wise? No one. No one. Cuban has never faced any pressure of any real sort. Uh, we at Mavs Money Wall will continue fighting the good fucking fight because we're the only people willing to say that he's the problem. Everyone else underneath the sun wants to act like that. Oh, it's well, it just happens. This is what owners do. No, owners don't do this stuff. Owners don't sit next to teams and talk to the bench. Oh, my God. The planet that people live on in this media community in Dallas where it's like, well, this is just what he does. No. Unless he sends a death squad to my home, I'm going to continue criticizing and saying, I would like you to go sit up in the rafters or wherever a suite is and let the team be. Let the general manager, general manage. Nico, I have no idea if you're any good, but I believe in Michael Finley. We're going to let Jason Kidd continue to make shitty coaching decisions. Like, we have to let these things percolate. The micromanaging of a billionaire is not going to help anyone. And I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it repeatedly. So, can you hear me, Kirk? Yeah, you sound good. Okay. So, so let's say, like, Stephen A. Smith tomorrow on first take just went off on Mark Cuban, like he kind of did during the summer. Mm. Um, just saying, like, hey, it's been 10 years. Even with Rick Carlisle, you still haven't won a playoff series. What if he did that with, like, Stephen A.'s world? Like, what if there's, like, what if Mavs Twitter banded together and tagged all the biggest media personalities and just said, hey, we really need you to shit on the Mavs for us. We'll pay you money. We'll, like, it, it needs to be heard. Like, I feel like the bigger the media message, the more pressure in 2021 Cuban would be under to make a change. It's incredible. Okay. So I have been thinking like I've spent a sad period of time um, watching the, I hate the show. I hate secession, but I watch it every I week. love succession. So I much. hate I'm, it. I'm... I hate it. It is the worst part about um, it just is the worst of everything, but it's well acted, whatever here's what, what it has, has said to me is that maybe we need to talk about this in terms that Mr. Cuban understands. He understands shareholders, profit margins, these sorts of things, right? We, the fans are the shareholders, you know, yeah. we need to, maybe we need to lean in to the concept of not him being the owner, but him being the governor of him being a steward of the Mavs of the Mavs franchise. He is not the owner. He is the person who is guiding this team by being very rich. So we just tell him repeatedly, this is what we want. And granted, 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 this already happens. This already happens. Right. I need, and he I brands need it as Mavs Twitter. Twitter. I need less harassment of the Mavs social media accounts. People, please. Like, those people are like make X amount of dollars a year and run like Twitter. Please stop killing them. Man has an open email address. Send him polite but consistent messaging that you demand different as a listener or as a watcher, as a purchaser of of tickets. Like, this is all it is. It's all it is because. What made the Maverick special for nearly 21 years was a man wearing the number 41. It was not anything Mark Cuban did. Now we have a chance for something different with Luka Doncic wearing number 77. He is trans, he is a transcendent player. 
And you can tell I've, I've had a little sauce because I nearly called him a transcendental player, which is a different <laughs> word. Um, and so it's just, you know, we don't want to fuck this up. And I don't, you know, I don't like, like Luca played like crap tonight. We already talked about that, but it's like the big picture stuff is the Mavs need to do more better as I, as my boss. Yeah. You're, I just, I needed to hear that. Honestly, jeez. Well, um, Jim, you're right. We should, we should, we, what we should do as shareholders is continue to, you know, don't use curse words, don't get angry, but consistently using the vehicles that you have as a fan base is you let them know that you demand. You know, uh, I think he's in the chat room, but one of my friends, Jack, he tweeted out um, the video of Mark Zuckerberg getting his like, oh, shit. God, what a great yeah. tweet from Jack. I love that. Yeah. And Mark Cuban liked that tweet. He liked that tweet. Can we just take a moment? That is just petty on so many levels, but the dude is just in his own little bubble, and we as fans need to say something, but also be taken seriously enough to not just be labeled as Matt Twitter. That's all I got. That's right. Thanks so much, Jim. You're the best. Have a good yeah, night. Thanks, Kirk. And I keep wanting to do these for like a half hour, but y'all just bring the heat every time. Nick, what you doing, buddy? Kirk, what's up, man? I'm I'm all right. Yeah. Um. So this one, I'm I'm not really even mad anymore. I think I've just become numb because um, it's almost what is expected at this point. But I just had a couple quick points or a couple notes from the game. Um. So first off, I you know KP looked awesome uh, in the first half, especially. And I kind of felt like he like went away, or the team went away from like what was working with him. Um, I don't. I was like kind of half watching towards the end because I got sidetracked with something else. But like I felt like he was just taking a bunch of like oh, like threes and just missing open threes. I didn't see much, you know, much uh, posting up uh, late in the game, or just you know taking advantage of his size. So that was kind of frustrating because like it felt like in the first half that we were finally starting to see more of that again. And then I guess my second point is, you know, Harden had a good defensive play and, you know, say what you want, whether or not that was a, a foul or not. But like, I wish the NBA would, would kind of follow suit with the way the NFL does replay and challenges, because in my opinion, I, I saw Luca's hand get touched and it's like in the NFL, if there isn't, absolutely damning evidence to overturn a call it's not going to get overturned right so i just that frustrates me with the nba and i don't quite understand the like i I don't know there's almost never any rhyme or reason to the way that that those challenges uh play out i don't know i mean i i can't prove this but there's something to the fact that from what what one of our um one of our early callers noted where it's just like the tide turned when luca got that tech and when Luca was constantly whining and complaining. And there's just something to that. Kid made a point about that last game. It was a bad call, but you Well it's you don't Yeah. Well, you know, Luca's the leader of the team. You know, it's like we've always talked about. He's a he's a kid, he's twenty two, but he's expected to lead this team. And he's just frankly, he's just immature and he's not ready for that. And we're missing a guy like JJ Brea or Goran Dragic on this team, and I think that's another big. Yeah, 
difficult with that because I, I Luca kept talking in the pregame about like playing with energy, and it's like your professional basketball players who were a five seed last year, like you're not on top of the mountain. You shouldn't need to get it up this way. I mean, Trey Young actually talked about this really early in the season, where it's just like, well, it's like, come on, guys, you, you got it, you got to do better. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I'll get out of here, but thanks for having me up again. Of course. Appreciate you coming on. All right. Going up next. We're going to get through everybody and then post this and people are going to be like, why are you posting an hour and 15 minute podcast at noon on a Wednesday? Josh, what's up, my friend? Hey, Kirk. How are you feeling better now? I've been pissy and rambling. (laughs) I love it. Uh, You know, this is what this is. Exactly. I have a, I have like a little bit of an alternative couple takes and I'll try to be, um, quick because I know a lot of people are waiting. But one, I just think that people have to stop, you know, talking about trades that just the Mavericks don't have any trade leverage. So it's kind of a waste. So there should be like kind of a public statement. Like if they pull off a trade, it's a miracle. Um, and maybe they get Dragic, maybe they don't. Um, my second one is that this game tonight was, was not kind of, doesn't deserve kind of the travesty. Of course they, they swallowed, you know, they kind of swallowed their food down the wrong pipe because they were killing it. They were killing it against a great team. And then that great team, had the resolve and the Mavericks have obviously been crappy, you know, all season, you know, anybody who watches known knows that they've been crappy and they've been building. And I think that this game was actually, I'm not sure. Don't confuse my take with like, you know, misguided optimism, but I'm just saying they, they played a good game and the better team pulled it together and the Mavericks actually were uh, decent, and then they lost belief that they could beat this team, and it was on it was on national media, and and you know, uh, and they just the better team pulled it out in the end, and the Mavericks looked like they didn't believe in themselves. Oh, I, I that is the correct this game take. I think had they beaten the Pelicans or Memphis. In the prior two nights, we'd be in here going, eh, you know what? Great effort. Good time. Talk to you later. But it's the third straight loss, and it was a particularly painful way to go down. But for 36 minutes, I thought they played very good basketball. Yeah, and I mean, and I mean to, to kind of bring it back a little bit with that, uh, because that, that was going to be my initial point, was, was yeah, then when you put it in context and you look at the Memphis game, which obviously was probably the more painful, you know, so, you know, of all the games to watch for some reason. Um, but so kid bringing in um, Josh Green to play in this game certainly was an answer, you know, to Bain's, to Bain's you know, post game. But I think, it was kind of interesting because I wanted to call in after the last game and wasn't able to, um, to say like, if this team has any sort of like 
self, I don't know, self-dignity that kid would put in green to guard Bain in this next game coming up versus Memphis um, to let him try to, you know, let him try to get a little revenge personally. You know what I mean? Because, and to bring him back in this game, I just think was simply uh, to give him that opportunity without throwing him in cold. So that would have been my take on it uh, because, you know, tonight, yeah, Josh looked over, overmatched, but I thought, that's what the reason was that they brought him in. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was a rea- It was reactionary. I agree with that. I, I don't think so. I think it was in preparation for him to get a revenge game um, in the next game. We'll you know, see. Or, I mean, they, or try to try to there. I mean, the Mavericks, if I understand how NBA travel schedules work, they went from this game to the locker room where they pick up their clothes and then they go get on a plane and they're currently on a plane. Memphis. Good, good, you know, and it's time to get some revenge and it's time for the Mavericks to give a fuck about revenge shit. You know what I mean? Just get some revenge. That's all. Sure. That's at least my take. I'll leave it there, but I appreciate you. This is awesome. Um, but pl- people, please stop talking about trades that can't really happen. It's I hear you. I hear yeah. that, man. Thanks, Josh. Well, now Josh, Josh has that scene from um, Thor Ragnarok in my head. Uh, where um, God, Valkyrie is like, well, what what do we call ourselves? Something to that effect, and he's like the re- re- Revengers. Ah, <laughs> uh, I've been up too long. Grayson, what's up? How you doing? Hit that on mute. Come on, Grayson, you know how to do this. Hit that on mute button. Hey, Kirk, how we doing? There we go. I knew you could come through. Online. Yeah, it, it kind of just cut out there for a little bit. No, so, it's weird. It's weird. Thanks for. Uh, no worries. Uh, I'm doing okay in terms of you know the loss. I won't talk too much about the shooting. We all watched it. We all know it was just absolutely horrid. But J Kid doesn't really deserve a ton of uh, blame the rest of the year for just how poorly we've been missing shots. But I'm really, really tired of us playing two big lineups and not trying to go inside because that's kind of the whole point of having a two big lineup is to try to use your size and overpower a team. And when you go, what was it? Nine for 43 in a game and we're just breaking shots. We don't need to keep shooting more of them. And we should probably utilize the size that we are putting on the court in some form or fashion. And it's just frustrating. So that's about the only thing I have for that game. Uh, and then number two, just as a holistic thing, uh, we need vets on this team that I guess can either keep Luca temper in check. And I know that's what Goran is supposed to be, but I just feel like we don't have a good vet core that some of the teams that are more competitive than us do have. We got so nobody. Like, no, that's hundred percent. It's all guys like the, our, our vets are undrafted guys or guys that Luca got. I mean, I feel like Dorian Finney-Smith has to play a vet role, and I know that most of us probably love Dodo, but he's a right. very would, he's a role I wouldn't player. Listen and, to Dorian. I love the guy, but if he was playing on the court with me, I'd be like, okay, <laughs> it's just a different deal. Luca needs somebody so, near, or just that maybe at some point in his career had the level of success that he is experiencing, because there's no one that has either eclipsed him in talent or have 
done it before. It can be like, look, young fellow, let me show you the ropes kind of thing. And I know that's kind of what Jay Kidd, I guess, was brought in to do because, you know, he's a champion. He's a Hall of Famer, all of that. But it's a different level between coach and player and your other player that you're also playing with telling you, you know, you need to do X, Y, Z. Like, you need to be in shape or whatever. Very and much agree. And then the uh, – I guess the last thing is is – uh, I guess being a pessimistic mask fan, we don't have any ability to go get any of those guys from Indiana. Um, so that's going to be frustrating. Um, I don't know exactly who we could potentially be targeting, but I know Nico's got to be on the phone when that December 15th date comes around. Um, I know Bagley just started getting back into the lineup, so that's probably going to be a little bit more difficult to get him now, now that the bum Luke Walton is out because he is just the worst coach, I think, in the past couple of years, even maybe worse than Jay Kidd, which is saying something. But, um, you know, there's just not enough talent. We've kind of been saying the whole thing, and I'm tired of Cuban. I was at the game Friday, and I was chanting at Mark Cuban. I didn't get a lot of uh, good reception from it, but someone needs to say it, and we need to continue to say it because he is actively derailing a generational superstar and, well, and making us watch a decently poor product that we've seen for three years. It's very frustrating, and, and there's like this – I I have been a Mavs fan since 1999. I moved to Texas in 96. I really loved those that terrible rookie year Dirk team. Like, I love Mark Cuban as a concept. But it just, you know, to hear the fact, and, and, and Ben wrote about this at Mavs Moneyball, incredible article if you haven't seen it. Chandler Parsons mattered with how they put the team together. Chandler Parsons doesn't matter. Like, that that can't be a thing. And Mark wants to be boys with the players the way he was with Dirk and Nash. And, you know, as I get older, I run into this shit, too, where I'm like, I can't do the things that kids do. I can't do it. I can't, you know, go out and do stuff. And it's just, he's not the guy he was. But he still matters, and he's still our owner. And by and large, over a 20-year period, he matters a ton. But I just need him to do less. Hire people and let them do stuff. Neil O'Shea, what he got away with in Portland is so insane because um, the previous owner of the team died. His sister took over, and and uh, and it just – he kind of had free reign to do stuff for like three years until they realized that Neil O'Shea was going to drive this team into the ground the same way Donnie Nelson was, but in a very different way. And Mark Cuban is an active, present person who – is responsible for most of the last several off seasons. And I just yep. mainly want them to figure something out and make it better. I don't think he's like this draining negative asset. Like I don't want him to sell the team. I want him to do less. That's exactly like, it. Yeah. Let your GM do his job. You know, I've that's, exchanged that's, emails with him. He's fucking cool. He's a nice, like I've talked to him. He's a nice, smart man. It's just like, you wouldn't hire me to be GM. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. This is just, it's painful. It is. It is. And I just don't think that we have like a, I guess a, a culture or like an identity with the way we play. And as every Mavs fan here knows, we all despise the Miami heat, but you know, they have a set idea, set values of their culture and they go and identify people that would fit into their system. I just don't feel that we have any sort of identity or, 
you know, system that we play. It's literally just here's Luca and go do what you gotta do. And it's it's frustrating that we just sit here and do the same thing for three years and expect, you know, different results. You can't put lipstick on a pig as the old saying goes, and we're trying to do it. Yeah. Well, as always, Grayson, I appreciate you hanging out with us. Hey, thank you for having me. You guys have a good night. Okay. Let's keep firing. Guys, there's more of you. How are there more? This is going to be a two-hour podcast. It's going to be the best podcast from Mavs Moneyball history. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us. Hit that mute button at the bottom. Tell me what you got. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I probably can't say too much because I actually think uh, uh, a former classmate of mine is also in this room. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I want to sort of preface this by saying like, look, like, I mean, I remember, uh, uh, going to the championship parade in 2011 and being inside the A, uh, AAC, like I, I rushed down from my summer job because it was like, you know, it was, uh, I just graduated high school and I was in between, you know, that and going to college. Um, and then, yeah, I was able to make it to the AAC and I was there, uh, chanting, thank you, Mark. Um, for, you know, like it, to me, like he, like, even though I would still say a hundred percent, like Dirk and like Rick are the biggest reasons we won that championship. And on top of, you know, all, also Tyson and all that, like Mark, like to me, at least like very much was a big reason we were able to turn this franchise around. So like, I want to preface, uh, everything I say after this, uh, based on that, but like basically the minute I heard that like kid was actually going to be coach, it just felt like. Um, you know how like you hear those stories about like um like uh not really enlightened despots, but just like just despots that have completely lost their minds like back in like the like Europe hundreds, hundreds. Um and like making these rules saying like, oh, like we should wear underwear outside of our pants. That's way that way they're no longer underwear. Like that's what it kind of felt like watching Mark hire Jason Kidd. Because there were just like it just felt like there was no reason to be doing that, and like I'm just like uh, I don't know. It, it's just like I I don't want to be like completely out on the Mavs in terms of like this future, but like at the same time I'm just like you know I I I, I guess I want to kind of leave with just this question right here is just like do we even think that Luca respects Mark? Um, you know, I mean, obviously he probably respects him in the sense of like, you know, like he gets, you know, paid by him, but like, does he deep down really respect Mark? It's a great question. And I will simply respond with an answer with that. If you remember Tim Cato's sort of article, which got everything going way back at the beginning of the off season, Harala Bob Vulgaris on the record said that Luca apologized to him a few days later and he wasn't and said that he wasn't talking about Haralabob. I will simply allow the rest of you to fill in who he might be talking about. I think that as a as a 22-year-old man who has only played with with Real Madrid and Slovenia, he has a particular appreciation for structure and for legacy and for history. But I also think that he wants to win more than anything else, anything else. He wants to win for Slovenia. He has mentioned that winning an Olympic gold would be more important to him than winning a NBA championship. And I 1000% understand why I think he likes Dallas. I don't think he's married to Dallas. He's not there yet. He's not Dirk. We have to stop acting like he is. 
And so with that in mind, we just need to give him a reason to commit to the city. Sure thing, buddy. Appreciate you coming up. All right. Blake, it's been a while. Been a long while. Blake, how you doing? Hit that unmute button there at the bottom. Oh, no, 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 no. There we go. You hit. There we go. How's it going tonight? Uh, going good. I actually was at the game, so I'm a bit emotionally drained. Uh, uh, weirdly not as mad as I think as I would have been had I not gone to the game because I just. <laughs> no, those the games are good out. at that. Like the games are good where it's just like you kind of get it out of your system. You walk back to your car, and then you're okay. And yeah. Here we, yeah. Here we are sure. making making you mad again. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, no, no. I it's I've become addicted to it really in a weird way. Um, <laughs> uh, not to not to harp on this. Uh, there, there's I mean there's so many different things wrong at the moment, but just with the Cuban thing. I, it, it, what really drives me nuts, to be honest, is <clears throat> just kind of like you talked about the media around here, like they're uh, just lack of desire to hold him accountable. It, it's really frustrating when they'll tweet something like, you know, uh, you should just be happy you have Luca, you know, this, at least it's not the 90s where we were the worst team in the league and just yada, yada, yada. It's just like, I, I, I don't know. It, it feels like they just don't care. It's like, you know, if you just, I guess, you know, it's a football town. Everyone cares about the Cowboys. Like if that's, if that's what it is, just, just say that you don't care if the maps are good, but that's, you know, I, we care, I care. So like, it, it would be nice if they would do uh, quote unquote their job and, and hold, hold him accountable for, being the owner and the, the manager, I guess, of the team, since that's what he is ultimately and wants to be is the general manager on top of everything else. I just, I'm, I'm just frustrated. I mean, tonight is, is whatever. It's really not even about tonight. You know, I mean, this, this kind of stuff happens. It's just, it's just an accumulation at this point of the last. Yes. Three years. That's the best way to describe it. It's an accumulation of frustrations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's just, it's like at every point, and in particular in the last few years, where he had, they've had an opportunity to make the team better. They've chosen the worst possible option available. Like, I mean, whether it's the the draft in, in 2020 where, you know, Desmond Bain was sitting right there and instead we choose two guys that aren't even in the league anymore and, you know, a guy that can't get off our bench or just, just whatever. I mean, it's just like it – it it almost I mean obviously it's not but it, it almost feels intentional sometimes it's like how can you mess up <laughs> this they find new they certainly find yeah yeah it's I I don't know man it's just it's just frustrating I just I just I'm kind of almost almost out of out of um out of energy to keep being just just exasperated <laughs> about it I mean. I mean, if they, if they keep, there's a lot of people who don't watch every single game. And if you're kind of casually invested in this team, they've given us plenty of reasons to, to casually divest, frankly, and not watch more games. I mean, they run into issues where they got local TV issues, which are not the Mavs or Cubans fault. It's contractual. And then they're playing like Bill Simmons basically said the Mavericks are unwatchable today. And mm-hmm. I, I don't disagree i mean tonight was fun 
but you know, up until the fourth quarter, but I mean, the Pelicans get like, you can't score 90 points a game. I don't care how, you know, like the shooting is one. I don't know. It's. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's the thing too. It's like, you know, I mean, even some of the bad teams we've had in the past were at least fun in, in their own way. But this team, man, I mean, I, it, like you said, they're just giving us so many reasons to, to, to not be invested. I, last week, I actually, for the first time that I can ever remember, I've, I've been a diehard fan since, uh, since 06, uh, since I was 10. And, uh, I, for the first time I could ever remember, I chose not to watch a Mavs game when I, when I could have. <laughs> I mean, I had nothing going on and I was just like, eh, you know. Yeah. Uh, eh. And that matters. And that matters because when you have uh, a generational player, you should be building a fan base and, and amassing support and they're just kind of bumbling. It stinks. Yeah. Thanks for joining, Blake. I appreciate you coming up. Yeah. Thanks, Kurt. Good talking to you. You too. Okay. Ike. How you doing, Ike? Good to see you. Hey, what's up, Kurt? Oh, you know, a little bit of uh, green room. Yeah, um, I, I, you know, I kind of share everyone's feeling. Uh, I missed this weekend. Well, like the first half, I was kind of watching on my phone. I was out running errands, unfortunately. But, you know, I saw that we were up most of the game. And, you know, all I said to myself was, oh, this is great. When is When are the Nets going to make their run? And, <laughs> hey, can you speak up for us a little quiet? Appreciate sorry, it. Sorry about that. Yeah, I was just like, hey, when are the Nets going to make their run? And uh, sure enough, fourth co- quarter comes along. And, uh, you know, I think it's just the tale of what we are. We're a limited team. And for the sake of not getting on your nerves or anybody's nerves, I'm going to practice some discipline and not repeat the motto that I've been saying for the last couple of weeks. But you know what I'm going to say. Um, you know, we're we're a limited team. And it's frustrating and I really it's it's really perplexing as far as what the front office, you know, with the shakeup that they had, what they looked at team wise and said, This is all we need to take the next step and all we need is yeah, we needed to add some more wings, but the wings we needed to add was Reggie Bullock Bullock and Sterling Brown. I'm just without words right now. Like the the conclusion of this game really shouldn't be surprising because at some point you knew the Nets were going to make a run, and were we going to you know respond? Uh, You know, I don't know about that. And then I I know we've we've spent a long a lot of time kind of shitting on Luca, and it it is kind of deserved in a sense. But I kind of want to defend him from one aspect, right? Uh, we've we've criticized him as far as his physical conditioning and things of that sort, and that's warranted. I'm starting to wonder about not that he doesn't believe in his teammates, but maybe just the some mental fatigue as far as like you know this precipitous drop in the shooting is just astounding. Like I, I'm I'm kind of without words. I was literally, you know, I don't know if you've seen that that GIF with that that guy with the pain smile. Uh, <laughs> I literally had that after all the, the, the missed open threes. And, you know, I, I used to play ball in college and stuff like that. So anytime you're on the floor and, you know, you have a team and you're passing, you're making good passes and, you know, you have teammates uh, missing like wide open shots, that could take, you know, take a toll on you. And I, I'm wondering 
you know, maybe it's early, you know, but I'm kind of wondering what type of toll that might be taking because the amount of missed threes that we're the the amount of threes that we're we're missing it, it, quality threes it's 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 really perplexing. No, it's definitely brutal. It's it's it's. Uh, and and kid talked about it and it's just it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy at a certain point where it's like these guys i i think everybody has a case of the yips and they don't really know what they're supposed to do it's it's i don't know how they break out of it you thought they broke out of it when they when they you know shot 70 percent from three but it's it's just not one of those things anymore so yeah, not from three it hasn't we i don't think we've strung together you know several games where we've had like decent shooting you know, it's just some of these games where we're able to scratch it out. Maybe we'll hit some timely threes and stuff like that. But for the most part, I mean, nine for 46. I mean, that's just gross. I I, that's, I don't know who should do this. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm really just without words. I'm, you know, hoping for the best. <laughs> I don't even feel confident saying that. I just, I, I think the only thing that I can really hang some hope on is that we brought in uh, a new set of eyes and he can't be as far as Nico now I'm not, I'm reserving my judgment on Nico but he can't be sitting there saying oh we'll be fine like I mean maybe we will be fine but he can't be saying to looking at the team like yeah this is the team that will make noise in the end and take that next step so I guess it's stay tuned but I, I have nothing else let me just shut up and get off the stage appreciate it thanks for coming up buddy you have a good night okay coming up next josh what do you got for us josh hey kirk uh long time listener first time caller um so i gotta be honest i don't really watch the mavs as much as i used to probably for the most part because i work nights and the blackout restrictions my biggest thing with this team is for one as good as a businessman as Mark Cuban is, I don't understand how he's so bad with asset management. Um, like this summer, or actually this team right now. So you have Jalen Brunson, who everybody in this chat apparently thinks that we can just go trade when we as a team average 23 assists a game. Luca and Jalen Brunson average 13 of them. <laughs> like who, el- who else is creating shots besides Luca and JB? Same with Maxi. Like, you want to trade Maxi, which he's probably a great asset, but you've made these mediocre assets almost inexpendable. Like, you can't – how do you get rid of Maxi and Jalen if you don't have anybody to replace them because you can't rely on KP and no one else can create shots? Because Timmy can't create off the dribble. He has to have shots created for him. Anyways, and secondly, with the whole Pacers thing, the thing that pissed me off about this whole offseason and probably – bringing up old stuff, but when your second best asset is Rick Carlisle as an organization and you just say, hey, we'll let you walk to Indiana and you don't get anything. That's the thing that drives me nuts about being a Mavs fan is you have you have this asset who president of the coaches association, probably a top three coach in the league. And you're just like, yep, we're done. He can't get us past the first round, which I agree it was probably time to move on from Rick. But you let him leave for nothing, and then you let him name his replacement. So, <laughs> I what, mean, like, it was what, incredibly like, terrible. It was, but like, it just blew my mind. 
I was because I was watching it and I was like, okay, so Rick doesn't want to be here. The Celtics got what did they get? Two first rounders for Doc. I don't remember what it was, but it was something. But it was something for. I don't think Doc's as good as Rick Carlisle, but so we have all like we have all these assets. We want to make all these moves and we want to hold our breath for Goron. This team's not doing anything, and Nico doesn't. If Nico's such a great Nike guy, why weren't we in on DeMar DeRozan? Why weren't we in on Lonzo? So we're like we're between a rock and a hard place, and we're just going to keep getting rammed against the rock. I don't see any way we get out of it at this point. Well, that's a good. I, I like this. This is good. This is good, Josh, because we don't talk enough about the the uh, Carl just sort of dis- you know getting getting out of his deal. It was, it's terrible. It was, it was, there was nothing good about that. Like, I don't care however it's pitched. It's Mark Cuban, bad business 101. Just, yeah. And, I mean, you could have got, I'm not saying you could have gotten Sabonis or, but if you say, hey, you guys want Carlisle, take to White Powell and give us Miles Turner and we'll take a Miles Turner, a second round pick and for Rick Carlisle and Dwight Powell. It gets you off a bad contract. And you just, that's, those are the kind of moves that, an actual like team with a someone that knows how to run a basketball organization would do, but we don't do that because we just sit on our ass and don't do anything. Well, it's, it's, there's this constant assumption that they know what's best and there's just not been anything behind that for 10 years now. So it's very. Yeah. Well, I'll get out of here. Let other people talk. Thanks sure thing, Josh. Okay. Jose, what's up, my friend? Thanks for waiting. Jose, there he is. My bad, I was in the yeah, chat. You're not, you're not allowed to fall <laughs> oh, asleep. Was... You're not allowed to fall asleep like. <laughs> no, what, what's crazy is that I literally have to get up at two forty-five. Go to bed. Don't listen to us nonsense. Nah, nah, Kurt. My my love for the Mavs is is more. <laughs> Come on. More meaningful than this job, but. Anyways, what I, what I was going to say is that um, somebody earlier had took the words right out of my mouth when they had mentioned that this roster or this team as a whole has no identity. Like, I, I, I don't know what to make of the team. We're, we're not really an offensive juggernaut. We're not really a, a – a defensive stopper or anything like that. Like uh, so many, so many of the basketball players like Gilbert Arenas, Paul Pierce and Matt Barnes, Steven Jackson, all these guys on their respective pods have said it's pretty much Luca and, and everybody else. And last year we were called the uh, Luca and the YMCA boys and, I mean, this year it hasn't even changed, and I'm glad that Mavs Twitter actually has the ears of Mark Cuban, Jason Kidd, uh, the Mavs uh, social media page where they refer to us as Mavs Twitter. I mean, it's really passive-aggressive, but I'm, I'm glad that we do so much and we say so much that they're they're willing to call us out for their wrongdoings. But well, what it shows to me is an organization that is so. I'm trying to think of the right descriptor. 
because they're not inept, but they're focused on the wrong shit. If they're so worried about what we have to say, the 700 fans that tweet a thousand times during the game, you're kind of missing the point. Like what we say and do is kind of not really, it, it shouldn't matter. What you should do is you should just build a better team. Right. It, it, it shouldn't be that hard. And if you're seeing, quote unquote, mass Twitter in, in a rage, I mean, that, that should let you know that your fan base is disgusted with being displayed on their screens. Like 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 me, for example, I'm up at 1120. I, I know I had to go to work in a couple hours, but I'm just disgusted in and by the, the team. Like Charles Barkley's not wrong what he said about about the team wasting Luca's career. We sat back and we watched Dirk struggle in his prime years after the championship. And we we just sat back. We didn't have a platform. And now that everybody has a platform nowadays, they're upset that we're telling it how it is. And they're just kind of it, the message is falling on deaf ears. Well, there's not much to do yet. You got to get to the 15th. They're going to do something. I just don't know what it is because what this really is, is this is 10 years of frustration and really the last five. I mean, it. you know, Josh and I complain a lot about the summer of 2019. And that was kind of a pivot point. And, and I think it will be in hindsight, but it's just like, like some of the things they've done just haven't worked. But it's just like as we learn more and more about how the back office worked, it was just like this is, you know, a lot of us would have gotten fired for some of the things that happened in those jobs. It's crazy. Right. And and like some people have said in the comments, because I just see them flashing all over the screen, is that the the organization is very immature in, in how they, they handle their, their fan base. I mean, you want to keep us happy do something uh, i mean we went nine of 46 from three over 30 million dollars invested in quote-unquote uh three-pointer uh three-point shooters and then dorian finney smith uh there was one play where he got back down by kd and the shot just went over him but dorian finney smith is not a lockdown defender he's He's a average defender, and I think X wrote this in, in his post, but he said that Dorian is an average defender and uh, of a stretch of a three-point shooter. And then there's only so much Max he could do. I'm just really I'm just really ready for a change, man. I, I, I don't know what else to say, but I appreciate you for bringing me up. Thanks. Well, go to sleep. Good Lord, you're nuts. And now I, I, I will make a – I, I go to 7-Eleven in the morning and get one of those preposterous C4 energy drinks. They are, are straight-up cocaine. Um, all right, Matthew's been waiting for a while. He asked me, and I forgot to bring him up. Matt, what's up? Uh, so just a couple of things real quick, and then I got to go to bed because I got to get up in the morning too. Um, the first thing is that the person that has to deal with Luca is Luca. Like, we see this, and I know you've mentioned this before, every so often, he'll, he's the first one to come out after the game and be like, 
you know, it's on me. I did this. I did that. I think he came out after today and said that he was out of shape and fat and that he has to work on his weight. But he says all that, and then he does the same thing over and over again. I know he's a kid. Nobody loves Luca more than me. I'm a huge Luca fan. I spent last year telling people that I thought that in the right circumstances he might be the Mavs' best defender. Um, so clearly the the, uh, the Homer glasses that I have for Luca are quite extreme. That being said, he gets all the rights and privileges that all of the other superstars get. I know he's a kid, but if you're going to treat him like a superstar and we have to have the expanded timetable of a superstar, then he is a superstar and he has to be held to the same standards. So this is on him. He has to be grown and he has to do this stuff himself. And then two, we've talked so much about what is a good shot and what isn't. And the fact of the matter is any shot that you consistently miss is not a good shot. Like it doesn't matter if like hypothetically, if I was on the team, if I go stand out there, it does not matter if nobody is on the same side of the court as me, I'm going to miss because I'm not a good shooter. That is literally the only thing. And so it doesn't like a good shot. You have to be able to make it consistently. And that's really all I got. All right. Go to bed. Appreciate you. Thanks for staying up late. All right. Coming up next, Garrett, you've been waiting forever. I apologize. Uh, I'm doing, well, I'm doing all right. Uh, I've got two finals tomorrow, but I needed to get some of this frustration out from this game. Uh, it's just, I know people said something like it earlier, but it just felt like they were looking in their review mirror this whole game because they were up kind of big at half, but there was, I never felt like this game was on lock ever. Yeah. They just, it was just a rushing river with a dam made out of five wood planks. And I was just waiting for Katie and Harden to turn into what I know they can do. And then it happened in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Real painful, <laughs> real painful. Like I wasn't even, part of me wasn't even mad. Cause it's just like, I watched Dirk do that during my college years and you just mow people down in a really unfair, painful fashion and Durant. Yeah, it's just – and it, the worst part is that I had zero doubts in my mind that when Tim took that last shot that it was missing. I just had no faith <laughs> at all that it was going Right, I, I it, understand. It hurt so much. I couldn't oh. – but it's just – like, yeah, it's not horrible. It's KD. It's one of the greatest scores we've ever seen, and you, no one's going to stop him on defense. I the, – the gasp that – left me when Reggie Bullock blocked that fadeaway. I I hadn't seen anything like that in that years. Was I couldn't believe he blocked that play. shot. I could not believe he of all people that it was him. Well. But I also thought that they sat KP a little too long in the fourth. I don't know what what they were hmm. waiting for. There was a lot of there was a lot of uh, Dwight he, in the fourth. He came in with like four and a half minutes left and already down. I uh, I just I don't know. And I I said it in the chat but the draft night 2020 was the turning point for this franchise. If they make the right moves, I think honestly, they make the Western conference finals last year. And if they don't, we're here where we are now because it just, it's not, it is not an unreasonable take Garrett. Good luck. Good luck on those finals. You have, uh, no, I think that's it. I just, 
they got to make some moves. I, I don't think they can get in on the Pacers deals, but maybe they could try a swing for like a Jeremy Lamb or something. Mm, but I, I like just, Jeremy Lamb. I just I need some some different because it's just there's too many guys from when I started watching again. I I just I'm tired of it. I just I can't do it anymore. I appreciate that. Well, thanks for joining. Okay, coming up next, we have – why did it punt me here? Uh, AJ, thanks for waiting so long. What a glorious beard. Hit that unmute button there at the bottom. If it will work for you. We'll give you a second. Um, and if not, we'll bring you back up shortly. All right. Uh well, now then Jeremy figured it out right as I punted him off stage. That's how good uh, I am at this thing. Um, let me see if I can find him in here in the chat. There he is. AJ, come on up. How you doing? Sorry about that. This is uh, this is what happens after 90 minutes of green room. Hit that unmute button there at the bottom again. It instant mutes you. All right, there we go. Um, what's up, Kirk? Longtime listener, Darth Vader41 on Twitter, longtime troll, <laughs> etc. <laughs> Hi, welcome up. Thank you, sir. Um, love, love it all, um, except for the outcome of tonight, of course. Um, I'm gonna keep it pretty brief. There was one thing that I noticed towards the end of the game that really uh, upset me. I think on on multiple on sort of deeper levels than like win loss than the roster talent than missing open threes etc. Um, I think with about 50 seconds left in the game, um, the Mavs may have been down one, they may have been down three or four. Nonetheless, uh, the Mavs have have a, a chance to to tie or to bring it within one. Um, Luca takes the shot as he should. We somehow get an offensive rebound, which is incredible, um, a thing that just doesn't happen, and I expected the game to be over right then and there. It wasn't, and Luca gets the board, right? And KP got the board. Oh, KP got the board. He gives it to Luca, and instead of Luca doing something with the ball, he gives it back to KP. And let me pause right here. KP is not a shot creator. KP can't you know, do his own thing. He's not the guy to take the shot with the, you know, with time on the line. You got to make a move. You need almost like a two for one sort of scenario here being down two possessions. Um, I almost feel like there's this element with Luca where he feels like he needs to involve the rest of the team. He hears the criticism coming towards KP. He hears, you know, it's Luca and the Lukettes or whatever. And so there's this element that's like, ah, oh, man, in his head, he's like, oh, man, I should pass the ball. I should give it up. When, in fact, he should not pass the ball and he should, you know, make the the, the sort of crunch time plays. I feel like there's a, a little bit of like a difference between he and Dirk, obviously, and, and the comparisons don't need to exist, but they do, where Dirk doesn't think about it. If in crunch time, Dirk knows what to do with the ball and it isn't passing. Obviously, he wasn't a distributor and Luke is a pass first sort of dude throughout his career. Um, but I almost felt as though there, it's almost like sending a message to the front office, to the ownership, to, to XYZ outlets when Luca is passing the ball to people who can't make plays for themselves. 
with the clock winding down when you need to score twice sort of thing. I guess I wanted to voice that and say like, you know, I, I feel like if there was less of this narrative, Luca would have just taken that shot and say he would, he would have gotten the ball back from KP, put it up, d- done something with the ball, got an and one, this or that. But instead he, he gives it up to guys who don't know what to do with the ball, which is everybody except for him on the team in that situation. And so we ended up, you know, we had a lot of uh, many, many, many seconds, you know, double digit seconds, 20, 30, 40 seconds, however many to make two plays. And we just, we squandered so much time. Just, just sort of excuse my French, like dildoing the ball around and, and doing absolutely nothing with it. When he just needed to get in the lane, get fouled, get to the line, stop the clock, put something up, like be the guy. And uh, I guess that's sort of the end of my my long winded rant. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I will say the in terms of like basketball tactics, where things went awry is when that guy missed two free throws. Luka Doncic got the rebound, and Kid called a timeout. The Mavericks had the advantage at that point, and they should have gone and tried to score immediately, and then fouled, and then did something. Instead, Kid called a timeout, which was their last timeout, and it was a bad decision. And things just went awry from there, but I understand what you mean because they ended up on the floor with, with two dudes, at least two guys in Powell and Porzingis who really didn't want that last shot. So, well, thanks for coming up. Appreciate you. Certainly. Take care. Mm-hmm. All right. Just keep flying. Tyler, where have you been, Tyler? It's been a long time. Don't tell me you've been doing school and other smart things like a, like an adult. Well, so funny story about that. Um, so this was my last year playing football or whatever, and then uh, week one I blew out my knee, and I've been I had surgery and all that. Oh, so shit, man! I'm sorry. God. Hey, life happens sometimes, but uh, um, and I honestly haven't been able to catch as many Mavs games as I would think, and kind of like uh, I forget who it was a couple of uh, speakers ago who said that like. I've had the option to watch like probably three or four Mavs games that I just haven't. And, you know, a lot of that's sometimes, I guess, because of uh, like the style of play, it just doesn't appeal to me. And other times it's like, why should I care to watch this team whenever they don't put in any effort? It seems like to even get any better. So, you know, that's kind of where I've been at, but. Well, I understand that. um, The main reason I was wanting to come up is, I can kind of – I know a lot of people have been crapping on Luca for his conditioning and stuff, but really it makes sense why he's so out of shape right now. And you said it earlier. You mentioned that uh, he's so much into the national team stuff. But, like, when you prepare for something so much, like with so much importance, it's only it only makes sense for you to kind of slack off as soon as it's done because – like that's a lot of weight on your shoulders to carry that for Slovenia. So I can kind of like, I understand why he's out of shape. So I feel like he's kind of getting, like, I understand why he's getting cracked on, but like, I, I get it at least. I mean, I get why he took a break where I am kind of confused and really almost impressed is the ability to go from how he looked against Australia in that semifinals matchup to how he looked on the first preseason game, which were separated by about three and a half weeks. And that's a man who had a great fucking time. I mean, there was the whole thing with the uh, Huka Dantich and uh, 
I think uh, he took it uh, pretty literally. Yeah. <laughs> he might have. He definitely might have. <sighs> we got anything else, my man? Yeah, I got one more thing, and I kind of want to compare this season to last. I feel like we're in a more desperate situation than we were kind of this time last year coming off that big losing streak. At least last year it felt like, you know, that Carlisle could get us something that worked and he could kind of tactician his way towards, like, some wins. Like that, I remember a Hawks game last year where he shortened the rotation to, like, eight or nine players and just basically went all out to kind of get a win to stop the, stop the bleeding, basically. I just don't think that with Kid we can really do that. I don't know if he has, like, a go-to thing to get us out of a drought. Because I, I mean, feel he like if see. he – he I feel like if he had something, he would have done it. Yeah, like if he had something in the in the barrel, I feel like he would have used it by now. Oh, I mean, he he. We're ninety minutes in. Only true believers or true haters are listening at this point. Kid has a really amazing tendency of high key blaming everyone around him. He is not a very great leader, and so. He doesn't have it in his bag to get these guys out of it. They're going to have to pull it themselves. Yeah, that's, it's it just goes back to this offseason where it was just kind of like a, a baffling decision to me. And uh, there's not much we can do about it now. You're not going to fire him now. That's right. Yeah, that's right. All right, Tyler, thanks so much. I hope your recovery goes well. Hey, thanks, man. I'll be around. Good. Yeah, man, I just. And any sort of knee stuff makes me hurt for other people. Um, all right. Jason Gallagher, friend of the show, longtime friend of the show, been waiting for a long time to talk to us. What's going on? That hat is amazing. Thank you, Kirk. Um, I, I recently did a Yellowstone <laughs> green room uh, thing, so I changed my photo and I haven't changed it back because I like the look. Um, first off, I kind of wanted to revisit a texting, yeah, I guess, squabble you and I had recently about Maxi Kleber. And I kind of wanted to reiterate my point in all of this. Um, recently, JJ, on his pod, and yes, I'm plugging the plot, pod that I work on, but he <laughs> recently said that um, the way that he sort of evaluates real contenders versus fake contenders is he, he's, he really looks for flexibility within the roster. And he was specifically talking about Milwaukee and sort of the year that they've had and, and um, you know, Drew and Chris and Giannis haven't played very much together yet. They're winning and they, they're getting um, great stuff out of a lot of the role players. And, you know, sometimes like freaking Bobby Portis is winning you games, all of that jazz. And I'm sort of like, you know, the Mavs, what is frustrating to me about this team, and it's not Maxi himself that I'm particularly frustrated with. It's just sort of what he represents, which is we need every single fucking – can I cuss? I don't know. No, no. We need every, the thing's two hours long, and okay. I've drank a bottle of wine. <laughs> we, need, we, need every, we need every single person to be on point for us to be – real contenders. And that is not realistic in this type of NBA and the type of seasons that we've seen in the last three seasons. It's not realistic for these guys to be at their 100%. And so I can't believe that for three seasons straight, I've needed Maxi Kleber to be like Superman. And same with Dorian Finney-Smith. It's insane. And that is why 
when every time I heard Bill or Zach Lowe, these really brilliant basketball minds sit there and be super high on the Mavs as like actual contenders. Like it just felt like me along with my fellow Mavs fans were like, what are you talking about? Like, this is not a real team. This is like, you cannot rely on Maxi Kleber to be that important on an actual winning team. That's not how this works. And, 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 and so therefore you, you know, that's the sort of micro of my whole, my whole thing here but i mean it all comes down to obviously mark cuban and the poor job he's done in sort of managing the management which manages the coaches which manages the players like it's all just such a freaking mess that i cannot believe that for three years i've been watching this shit um so yeah that's that's kind of my my point on maxi cleva and you and i haven't had a chance to have a real follow-up on that well, on a long enough timeline, Maxi Kleba becomes hot garbage because it's not his fault as an undrafted dude. So it's yeah. it's 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 like what you said earlier. It's it's not him. It is the concept of continuing to rely upon the same people to continuously outperform previous expectations. Yeah, and they should they should all be like honestly like I I I both hate and love this team because I'm I'm actually immensely proud of what they've done in some of these playoff series where they've taken people, you know, far superior teams to the brink and they've outperformed any, anything, any expectations. So, so in that sense, it's, you're proud of them, but then at the same time, you're kind of like, well, guys, like, <laughs> like, are, the, the, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. We saw the best version of them basically, you know? Sure. And, sure. and, and then, and then we decided that we're just going to do it again. And there's nothing, Kirk, there's really nothing more frustrating than to sit back and, and evaluate a situation in which you've had virtually the same roster for the last three years. And you say, F it, let's run it back. And, and I know this is really petty what I'm about to say, but mm. damn it, damn it. Like, you broke up a championship team and you're not breaking up a team that can't get out of the first round of the playoffs. Like, this Oh, so, so you're going to have to tune in. I'm going to have to send this to you because I know you will not actually visit mapsmoneyball.com. Oh, how dare you? That is Andy, Andy, Andrew Tobolowski, legendary Mavs, legendary Mavs Moneyball writer, now professor somewhere out in Virginia wrote an article where he just like, he just emailed me today and he's like, Hey, do you want to run this? And I'm like, absolutely. And it's Andy just like spitting hot fire over 10 years of managerial incompetence. It's, it's, it's great. It's what he Um, does best. Well, so before I let you go, I need you to plug the shows that you help run. And I also want to let you know that there's nothing funnier to me when I tune into, or at least the YouTube clips, when I tune into JJ Reddick's podcast and see the various enormous humans crossing their legs and arms while holding mics, like they just look fucking ridiculous. And I'm <laughs> they do, they do. Um, uh, I'll say that I, I want to run a YouTube channel because when they come to, I live in Oklahoma City, everybody. When they come to Oklahoma City, sometimes I am tasked to meet with them about content, and I always pick them up in my Honda Fit. Because that's my that's my zip around car, okay. And I want to start a YouTube channel just called like Big Dudes in Little Cars. Um, anyways, no, I, I yeah, check out the JJ Reddick podcast. I you know there's some interesting tomorrow's episodes with Joe Ingles, but I told Kirk this. I'm not going to give it away. So I want people to we be should listen. Out. But but you should listen because JJ talks about some interesting things when it comes to uh, KP and sort of uh, you know some advice he's given him based on some of the. 
the the issues he's had. So that's what I'm plugging. Thank you. You're doing the Lord's work here. Um, One day at a time. I mean, I had uh, I had it's I had Bob Sturm from the ticket basically kind of yell at me on Twitter tonight and act like, oh, Cuban's just going to exist. And you know what? I'll fight these fucking windmills because at some point I'm going to be right. Dude, you you are right. Nobody nobody is arguing against you. This is this whole concept of, that I mean, we have chosen to accept that we're we're going to be heavily invested in a, in a, in a in a situation in which we need a we need a multi billionaire, self made billionaire, to admit that he's wrong, and that just doesn't <laughs> like I can't I actually like can't like not to get all Chuck Klosterman on us, but like it is insane that so many people around the country invest themselves in these in these like little pet projects for these billionaires like it's insane it's actually insane well okay if the time like what i need for you to do is to play the succession theme music across the mavericks uh introduction (laughs) to their starting lineup (laughs) and then cuban just staring at the end of it oh well you're the best man thanks for hanging out so late Thank you. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye, buddy. All right. Uh, other Jason. Jason Yang. How you doing, buddy? Why did I watch this game? Like, why did I watch the fourth quarter? Like, we I all mean, knew what was going to happen. Why, why do I talk for almost two hours into my phone? Like, anything is possible. I feel fine, honestly. I know I'm raging in the chat a bunch, but I feel fine. This loss wasn't that bad. It's just like, we just didn't make shots. Like, I get it. Like, we're going to have 20 of these games throughout the season. Just, I mean, they have, like, arguably they have 20 games where they haven't made shots this already. Yeah, that's also what I was kind of afraid <laughs> to. But, like, I just feel like this team thinks it's fine to just not make any changes until, like, the trade deadline, and then they'll pick up Goron, and then it'll be fine. It's like, like I don't, like, red alert here, guys. It's not going to be fine. They're going to be, like... 500 at the trade deadline and they're going to pick up Goron and maybe hook up a little bit, but I don't really think so because he looks pretty washed right now. So it's going to be around a 500 team. That's going to be really pissed off at the end of the season because no one's making shots. Luca's going to be pissed at the refs. He might get like 18 texts and actually start missing games this year. We'll see about that. But I don't I have no faith that this team will do anything in the playoffs. I just, I, just I don't know. I mean, it... If they would have won either one of these last two games, would I mean that's true. That is true. But like they haven't, and they haven't in such predictable ways that it's like it seems like it's a pattern, not just a bunch of coincidences. Mm, okay, I appreciate that. I think that's a good take. Well, we'll see. I don't know. I'll, it's been long, so I'll, I'll end it here. But we'll, we'll see about tomorrow. I mean, I have a bad feeling about tomorrow, to be honest. Right. But. No, I'm like, I'm gonna post this bad boy at like lunch, and it's gonna have zero shelf life. So the only people who listen to it are gonna be the lunatics who have already joined the show. So thanks for joining, Jason. I appreciate you. All right. See you, everyone. Hope. Uh, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to boot you. Last guy we have is Adam. Adam, how we doing? Hey, Kirk, how are you doing, Scott? All right. You, you listen to a Mavericks podcast for like an hour, and then what? So, so what do you got for us as a as a outside uh, contributor? I've got an observation and a con- conspiracy theory for you. So obviously the Mavs are in salary cap purgatory for the next two years. Something so, like that, um, yeah. Two years from now, I think they have 100, 900, 10 million committed 
to four to six players. <laughs> and, right. And, and next year, they'll probably hit the you know luxury tax threshold. So, and, and obviously this year, kind of they're 17th, you know, 17th to 20th in offense and defense. So they're, they're really middle of the road at best. So a lot, a lot of talk tonight about what's the Mavs identity. It's really hard to improve both your, you know, your team on an offensive and defensive standpoint um, in a, in a single year. And so, I mean, from an outside, you know, as an, as an observer, you know, I, I would say, a lot of successful teams, you know, they, they, they focus on one, one or the other, right? You know, either we're going to become a good defensive team or we're going to become a, a competent, you know, we're going to become, try to become a, an elite offensive team like, you know, we were two to three years ago. And ultimately, you know, though there's, that's got to be a decision that management makes to identify what they need to focus on and, and build incrementally kind of the following year, but making moves that are rather than kind of, kind of middle, you know, sitting on the fence moves like Bullock, where you're basically trying to get, you know, hoping he's going to be a great, you know, two-way player, which is it's hard to find. Two-way players, three and D players, those are those are the those are the crown jewels of you know organizations that kind of that spur, catalyze, you know, 10, 15 game kind of improvements from one season to the next, and and so I, I ultimately, you know, I think. I think the Mavs, you know, they have a decision to make whether, you know, are we going to become a really good defensive team or an offensive team um, over the course of this year and into next year with a couple of moves. Conspiracy theory, um, I'd like to get your thought on this. Is it possible that maybe Mark Cuban doesn't have his, his you know, fingertips on on this team as much as we think he does? You know, a- after after the scandal, you know, of, you know, a year and a half ago, a year ago, maybe maybe he's in kind of a he's been shadow banned by the NBA a little bit, and maybe he's maybe or maybe he purposely is having you know as it has a hands off approach, and maybe this is Nico Harrison, and that's a little scary because in a lot of his interviews, you know, the emphasis is you know I'm I'm you know this is a transition I'm learning. If he's the one that's pulling the you know the trigger on all these deals and is heading up all of these decisions. That doesn't that doesn't lend a lot of confidence if if I was you know a Mavs fan. Well, I mean the I've heard enough that Cuban considers himself the GM, and you know the way things went down, Tim Cato of the Athletic started a started a conversation which was not it was already in process, but I think they thought it might last a little longer. Um, and in the days and weeks that followed, uh, you know, cause it was published on a Monday, but, but Tim actually sent his story to Cuban for comment on a Friday, Donnie Nelson was let go at IE or resigned, depending on which person's point of view you, um, go with. And then, and then, uh, Donnie Nelson, um, I'm sorry, then Rick Carlisle opted to resign a little later that week. Um, and so, uh, this has been like, this is all Cuban. Um, what anyone else that works with them. And, and so like the level of involvement, and I, I can't speak to that because I think that the, the people of whack, like the waxing and waning of influence is sort of what we're talking about. And really what led to the Hrallabob blow up is that there's just not like, there was never a clear chain of command uh, with that 
front office period. Like there was like Cuban as the owner, Donnie as the general manager, and then Haralbob as a person that had like just, he just sort of existed outside of a framework, which was already problematic because Donnie Nelson didn't really have much of a framework. So in terms of like how people reported them, like things were just kind of done willy nilly is, is what I have been able to piece together through reading everybody's work and talking with, with different people. And I, I still think that there's a lot of, of Donnie involvement. I mean, they're not Donnie, uh, Mark involvement. You see Nico Harrison talking to GMs. I get pictures from people, you know, oh, this is Nico talking to so-and-so before the game. And so like, I think those sorts of things happen, but at the end of the day, it's still very much a collaborative decision between the group where it's Michael Fenley, Nico Harrison, and Mark Cuban. And I just don't think that's a, a strategy for success. I believe when you have an organization that's built upon these sorts of things, you need to have a decision maker and someone who is ultimately responsible. Uh, Neil O'Shea had that in, in um, Portland and then would constantly kind of complain about the fact that he, it's like, ah, look at this, the, the consequences of my own decisions. And it's, it's, Kind of how what ended up getting him screwed in the end, even though he got fired for sort of like shitty conduct and treating people badly. But the reality was, is he was a GM, bad GM. And, you know, Donnie Nelson should have been fired years prior because he was also a bad GM. Um, and that's where kind of the Mavericks sit now is, you know, no matter what, that they have something new, like the, the, the timetable is limited. Like, I don't really care about some of this stuff in terms of how long they've had. When you have a generational player, you simply cannot. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, uh, last last point. Um, it's been a long night, obviously. I was really intrigued by a few callers, um, a few you know, a few callers back uh, about Nico Harrison and just kind of what type of actual impact he can actually have and what role his Nike experience brings to the NBA. I tend to believe that it's really overstated. I think the power of relationships and kind of past kind of experiences with players. I think, I think that's a past generation thing. I mean, I don't think the current, you know, current stars in the NBA care. You know, I don't think they care about Nico Harrison having been at Nike for 20 years because at Nike, he had, he had, he had something of value to give them. He had, he could give them generational wealth um, in terms of supplementing kind of their income outside the NBA. He's just one of 30 GMs now, you know, like if, you know, he and, and they're cap strapped, you know, um, luxury tax wise. So it's, I, you know, they're, you know, over the next, next year, year and a half, we'll, we'll see if there's some kind of special set of skills that really kind of uh, drove Mark to hire Nico, or if this was just a PR move to, to basically uh, kind of do some, do some uh, do some smoothing over of feelings with kind of the NBA and kind of uh, you know from from what took place. Mm. Well, Mark Stein reported within a week of the deal that like Nico and Jason Kidd were a package deal. What I'm what I still don't necessarily know is who was the anchor, meaning who was the person that Cuban wanted more. If it was Jason Kidd, then we're in trouble. If it was Nico Harrison, then I'm the jury. He deserves a little bit of time to do his job. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, you know, they have a new cap guy that they got from the Nets. And so it's like, I just got to be hopeful that they, that they're able to kind of unfuck themselves. I mean, it's, it's, 
Like they just did a bad, they did a bad job for ten years, and then they told everybody about how smart they were. I mean, it's like like I just can't imagine. You know, like the Rockets have had an interesting situation, and so it's like you go back and forth and see where it's like, okay, if we would have done this little thing differently, like I can't tell you how often we were like borderline gaslit in being told about, oh, this is what's going to happen, and then nothing would happen, and then we were told that we were, you know, as fans that we were, um, you know, our expectations were too high. So it's just at this point, I, I want the, you know. I don't know what to do because they're a game under 500 and there's not really an easy path out of it. They're going to have to pull themselves out in some way, shape or form, or this is going to get. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for kind of the, the line and. Thanks Adam. Appreciate you. All right. Uh, Craig, you want to, you want to kick us out of here? You got anything for us? I uh, you're, you're a late arrival to the room, but it is, um, you know, midnight. <laughs> Hit that unmute button there at the bottom if you got something to pitch in. No, that's okay. Appreciate you joining the room. Uh, guys, this has been ridiculous, a two-hour green room, but, you know, sometimes everybody needs a little therapy. Uh, for those of you who have listened this far in the podcast, it's probably within a couple hours of game time. Hopefully we'll have a better game against the Grizzlies. There's a ton of stuff on Mavs Moneyball. I recommend you go check it out and give us some clicks. We appreciate it. Everybody enjoy the rest of the week and we will talk probably tomorrow night, but hopefully not for two hours. Bye guys.